0: And the young man I'm bringing to the podium tonight, he loves God. He loves people. He loves the tree of life church. And we want brother Kedrick Duvall to come to preach the word of the
1: Lord to you. Can you receive him with a warm hand clap? Amen. Why don't we give that hand clap to God? God, you're worthy. I feel him in this room right now because he's worthy and he's great. Just like we sang about a few minutes ago, God, you're great, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for being great. I thank you, Lord, for who you are and for who you've been, Jesus. Thank you, God. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to standing, to be standing in front of everyone today. I want to thank my pastor, Pastor Urshan. I also want to thank my Uncle Joe, Pastor Sizemore. Uh, for giving me this opportunity. I want to give honor to my mom and my dad. Uh, It's a privilege that I do not take lightly. It's an honor. And uh, I love this church. I love everyone in it. He wasn't lying when I said I love Tree of Life. I love all you guys. I was thinking the other day, uh, my biggest fear as a child, as a kid, was always needles. I was scared to death to get shots. Uh, Eventually I had to get over that fear, having to give blood every once in a while. I I, uh, got over that pretty quickly, and then my biggest fear kind of moved on to heights. So me being the genius I am, I got a job working on rooftops and chimneys, because that's what people with uh, a fear of heights do. So uh, I kind of got over that fear. And for the last two years or so, my biggest fear has been public speaking. (laughs) So here I am. Hallelujah. (laughs) If you would, uh, I'm gonna get into the word now. Uh, If you would turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter eight. I'll be going to verse 43 to begin. I'll give you guys a second to get there. And I just want to say again how thankful I am for this opportunity to be standing in front of all of you today. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Now a woman woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitude's throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling falling down before him. And I want to pay attention to this part right here. She declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she was healed. Immediately, and he said to her, "Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace." I just want to speak for a few minutes today on this title, "Unashamed of the Greatness of God." Would you pray with me? in this place today, God. Lord, that it would flow, God, and that there would be a revelation, Jesus, of who you are. God of your greatness, Lord, and how great you've been to me, God, to us throughout our whole life. I would not be where I am without you today, Jesus, and I thank you, God, for everything that you've done, Lord, to bring me from where I was, to bring me to where I am and to take me, God, to where you have for me, Jesus. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move today in this service. I pray, God, that each person in this room would come to the realization, God, that you are great and there is nothing greater than you. And in Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you guys can be seated. I'm willing to bet that there is no debate in the church today that God is great. And I'm willing to bet that I could walk around to every person in this room and I could hand you a mic and we could get a testimony or a story of how great God has been to you. Or something that proves the greatness of God in your own personal life. There's no debate today that God is great. It's not a debate that God works miracles, and it's not up for discussion that he is who he claims to be. God's resume of greatness is not short. Just to start things off, at the beginning of time, he formed the world out of pure nothingness. That alone is a display of greatness. He created all things. He created you. He created the person sitting next to you, and he created me, and that was great. He looked at it, and he said, it is good. And it was great. He delivered the children of Israel out of the hands of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and he parted the Red Sea, then swallowed up the Egyptian army and provided water from a rock, and that was greatness. He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night, and he provided manna from the heavens and food from the sky, and we haven't even covered the first two books of the Bible yet. I could sit here, and I could go through every miracle, every sign, and every wonder that is in the Bible, and I could list them off to you, but we'd quickly run out of time before we even got close to mentioning all the great things that God has done. And I could ask for testimonies, and I could ask for some people to stand up and declare his greatness to them, but we would have to cut it short way before we even got close to proclaiming all the good things that he's done in our life. Our God is great, and there's no debate about it. It's not up for discussion. His greatness exceeds our human mind. We're not capable of comprehending just how great God truly is. And if there's anything in this life that I want to be known for, it's that I am unashamed of my God and I am unashamed of how great he's been to me and how great he is in my life. I've dealt with this issue of being ashamed versus unashamed. It always seems to be around that teenage or preteen age where what people say starts to have an effect on you and what people think about you starts to matter a little more than it used to. It matters a little more than it did when you were seven or eight or nine years old because now you're big, bad, and 11. And what that guy says about you matters and what that girl says about you matters. It's around that age where this really starts to affect. And if I can be honest, I struggled with it throughout my teen years and in my own life. And if you know me, then you know that I'm a devour. Duval man, to be specific. And if you know the Duval men, then you know one thing about them, they're very emotional, as you can tell. My father and my grandfather, uh, I know most of you won't believe this, but they'll cry at just about anything. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, she won't cry no matter what happens. But my father and my grandfather, they, uh, they cry pretty easily. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're very emotional people. I actually have ended up getting this trait from my father and my grandfather, as I just showed you about the last five, 10 minutes. I am an emotional person. Throughout my teen years, I learned to hide it pretty well. I learned to, you know, cover it up when it needed to be covered up because that was the phase in my life where what people said mattered and what people's opinions were of me, I cared about them. Because of that, I sat through services where powerful moves of God happened and I didn't move a muscle. I thought I was beyond it. I sat through services where miracle signs and wonders were being poured out and I didn't say anything. I just sat there because I didn't want anybody to look at me funny or think a certain thing about me. I didn't want to ruin my reputation or people to think that I wasn't cool because of it. Thankfully now I'm at the point where I'm at the decline of this phase. People's opinions are starting to matter a little less and a lot less. And especially when it comes to my faith and my identity in Christ, I'm becoming, starting to become unashamed. Okay? Amen. Like I said, I have dealt with this for most of my life. I have realized that there is something about being unashamed that the Lord looks at and that the Lord respects. If you don't agree with me or you don't believe me, I could turn to the text that we just read. There was a woman with an issue of blood. It was an issue that no doctor could cure, no physician could help. She knew that she was going to have to do something out of her comfort zone, something that many people would probably be too scared or too ashamed of doing. She knew what she had to do in order to be healed. And it wasn't go see a doctor, it wasn't a trip to her local specialist. She had to go and she had to reach God. She knew that there was gonna be a crowd surrounding him. And she knew that in order for her to even just touch the hem of his garment, she was going to have to press, she was going to have to push, and she was going to have to make a bit of a scene in order to reach him. And I know that there's something about being unashamed that God looks at and that he respects. I know because this lady pushed her way through whoever and whatever she needed to in order to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, the Lord didn't keep walking. He stopped. He recognized that right there is someone who is unashamed. He stops and he says, There's someone here who has touched me. And many of the people around him, including his own disciples, were confused. Many people didn't understand what he was trying to say. They didn't know what he meant by this because, Lord, there's people all around you. There's people touching you from every which way. And he said, no, you don't understand. I felt virtue flow out of me. I felt power flow out of me. Something had gotten his attention. There was a point. And you're being unashamed where you can be so unashamed to reach him, to press towards him, to touch him. That when you do, he stops and he recognizes it and he says, that is what I need. That's what I'm looking for and I will bless them." There's a blessing that goes out from being unashamed of your God. He says, it's what I need to further my kingdom. He needs people who are unashamed. It's what he's looking for. Tell me how we are supposed to further his kingdom. If we, are, if we are ashamed of who he is. How am I supposed to go and make disciples like I'm called to do and represent God when I don't even want people to know who I'm representing? There's no way to be ashamed of who he is and further his kingdom at the same time. We're called to make disciples. If Jesus had been ashamed of who he was, he wouldn't have made his own disciples. If he had been too scared to say that he was God wrapped in flesh, he would have never been able to impact this world and change the course of history in the way that he did. And the same power that he had to change the world and change this course of history is in us today. So I ask the question, both to you and I myself, what's stopping us from being unashamed of our God? What's stopping us from being unashamed of the gospel of Christ? What's stopping us from being unashamed of his greatness? What's stopping us from being unashamed to press toward him? To press until we get what we need, until we get what we've been praying for, fasting for. What's stopping us from pressing? And please hear me, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not judging anyone. I've struggled with this in my own life, just as much, if not more than everyone else in this room. But I am here to say that when you are unashamed, God moves. When you are unashamed, God moves. So I challenge you today. I challenge you to be unashamed. And many may not know what that looks like, but I challenge you to be unashamed and go up to your coworker that you know he's been struggling. You know they've been going through a tough time. And I challenge you to go and witness to that person that you know has been going through that tough time. Go and call that person that you can't get off your heart and your mind. Because the worst thing that can happen is they say, no, I don't want to come to church or no, I'd rather not pray with you right now. Or they say, I don't really want to talk about it. But if that's what's stopping us from furthering the kingdom of God, if that's what's stopping me from furthering the kingdom of God, I need to check my priorities and figure out what is stopping me from being unashamed. The second greatest commandment is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now we're called to go make disciples. And this realization hit me sometime last year. Uh, I was asked to give a keynote at school and I wasn't really sure what to speak about. And I was in prayer and I felt God say to me, love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great commandment, God. I, that's, that's really, it's the golden rule, you know? But as I really started to think about it, and I really started to think about my present situation, and I started to think about my lost family, and I started to think about my lost loved ones, it hit me. It hit me what loving your neighbor as yourself really looks like. If I love my neighbor as myself, that means that I want them to get to heaven just as bad as I want to get to heaven. So think about that. If I love them as myself, I want them to be there just as much as I want to be there. I want them to have the same experiences in this building that I had in this building. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get them to heaven because I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get me to heaven. So I'm gonna do whatever I can to get there. So when I love my neighbor as myself, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get them there too. That involves being unashamed. It involves being not ashamed of my God, and yes, I'm an emotional person, so it involves being unashamed to get a little emotional when I talk about him. Because if you've been through what I've been through, and you've seen what I've seen, you'd be a little emotional too. It would probably mean I'd have to be a little unashamed of what he's done in my life. Not being ashamed of how he picked me up and he turned me around not being ashamed of his greatness, not being ashamed of how he set me free, not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. Because when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing in this world that can match the greatness of our God. One of the best parts and one of my favorite parts about the greatness of God is that his greatness doesn't rely on me. If his greatness relied on me and my actions and my interactions, I I don't know where I would be today. But thank God that his greatness reaches beyond me, beyond Kedrick, beyond my flaws and my mess ups and my attitudes and despite all of that, he is great. Despite my past and my failures, he is great to me. When I lose my way, he corrects my path and when I stumble and fall, he lifts me back up. He encompasses everything and from him, there is nothing that is hidden. He is great and greatly to be praised. When I was at my lowest low, his greatness was still the same. And when I go to school in the morning and I drive from school to work, his greatness didn't change on the way from school to work. It's the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it's the same forever. It doesn't waver, it doesn't change. He does not waver and he does not change. The same God who was there on the day of Pentecost is the same God that woke me up this morning and started me on my way. The same God that called called the wind and waves to be still is the same God that gives me comfort when my life's a mess. The same God who raised Lazarus from the dead is the same God who healed me. The same God that died and was buried and rose again three days later is the same God that walks throughout this room right now. It's the same God that's here right now. He's the same God that sits on the throne in eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Why don't you just give him thanks for being that God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God! Hallelujah! Sometimes I believe it, that we fail to comprehend that it's beyond our comprehension. But sometimes I believe that we fail to think about it as much as our human mind will let us. It's easy to hear things like, the same God who rose from the dead is the same God that's here right now. And just dismiss it, let it go. think it's another cliche saying or another cliche phrase, but it's not. Jesus is in the room right now. The creator, the healer, the miracle worker and the savior of the world. The perfect lamb of God who was ordained from the foundation of the earth. He walks amongst us. He's with us in our daily lives. He's with us everywhere we go. He's here right now. And we can't comprehend it, yet he walks with us daily. This king of glory and this alpha and the omega, he's here. Thank you, Jesus. These names, these are descriptions of God. They're not just names. They describe exactly who God is. The name Alpha and Omega is so much more than just Alpha and Omega. It means he is the beginning. He is the end. He was there at the beginning of time. And he will be the one who is there at the end, in eternity. Emmanuel means more than just Emmanuel. It is God with us. His omnipresence being with us everywhere we go. The Lamb of God isn't talking about some actual lamb. It's the fact that he was an ordained, sinless, spotless, perfect sacrifice, ordained before the foundation of the world. All of these names. And he chose to wrap himself in flesh. All of this power and all of this might. And all he longs for is a relationship with you. Our musicians can come. I'm I'm coming to a close. Just how great is our God? There's one place that we can truly find out, and that is scripture. So I'm going to read a few passages describing just how great our God is. And I'm treating this as an altar call. So as I read, think on these things. Let it get to you. If you want to come to the front and pray, you can. If you want to sit where you are and pray, you can. But meditate upon these things. Isaiah 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or has his counselor taught him with whom did he take counselor and who instructed him and tie him in the path of justice who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the aisles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are nothing and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts it with silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? it is he who sits above the circle of the earth its inhabitants are as grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in he brings the princes to nothing he makes judges of earth useless scarcely shall they be planted scarcely shall they be sown scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. <laughs> Lift your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Acts 17, God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth he does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gave all life breath and all things he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grow for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being Revelation 4 immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne sat in heaven and one sat on the throne and he who sat there was like Jasper and sardius sown in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald around the throne were 24 thrones and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature as a lion, second as a calf, third had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was as a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come whenever the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever they cast down their crowns before him saying you are worthy O Lord you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created and I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals and no one in heaven or in earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it but one of the elders said to me do not weep Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elder stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. He came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth then i looked and i heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the numbers of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worship him who lives forever and ever. This is the God that we serve. And all he longs for is for a relationship with you. All he longs for is for communion with you. Do not be ashamed of who you are in Christ. Do not be ashamed of his greatness because his greatness is greater than anything else you could ever imagine.
2: My God, how great you are. How great, how great you are. Help. How great you are How great, how great how
0: great you are come on let's lift up the Lord right now my hallelujah 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 blessed be the name of the Lord my brother Kendrick was preaching and while he was bringing the word of God, just the pure unadulterated word of God, I felt the Lord just whisper to me and said, I have sent forth my word to heal. I have sent forth my word to heal. And I want somebody right now that needs this healing power and greatness of God. I want you to come forward in the name of Jesus because his word is present to bring healing. You just heard an anointed vessel of God stand in this pulpit and declare the greatness of God. In the midst of a trying time, he didn't exalt the problems going on in our world. He exalted the solution to the problems going on in our world. He exalted the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. The greatness of our God. I want everybody that has a need right now to come forward in the name of Jesus, in faith believing. The word of the Lord is here. The word of the Lord is present to heal and to set free and to deliver you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.